depending on what version of the Bible that you use, uh, that this, these promises can be described as exceedingly great. They can be described as precious. Um, just so many ways, so many good Greek words. It's kind of like the word love. There are four different words for love. But the way that the Apostle Peter describes the love of God. So let's pray, and then let's jump right into this tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we thank you. We ask you for your blessings tonight as we study the Word of God together. Lord, increase our capacity to understand and increase our willingness to apply your Word by faith to our life. For God, there are so many great promises, and tonight we're only going to look at two of those promises, and we pray that in Jesus' name that, Lord, it will revolutionize our understanding of the gospel, for they are so timely for the times that we're living in. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I just got off the phone with one of the uh, members of our church, and there's an urgent prayer request that I can't share with you, but they do want you to pray. But there's an urgent prayer request. Again, there's a, another health crisis. This COVID virus is not over yet. And friends, that is so important to note as we start to see the, the, the governor's uh, six-stage plan begin to kick in and more and more people are out. I've noticed this week that there are a lot of people that are out, but they're not wearing a mask when they're in a store or in a business. And, and friends, I just want to say we love our neighbors and we want to be considerate. And when we wear a mask, we're protecting other people. It doesn't show that we're smart or clever. As a matter of fact, we had two of our folks here just absolutely surprised. They did not know that we'd had some folks to die from the coronavirus. They did not know that we had some folks that had been in the hospital because of the coronavirus. And their words this week to Pastor Corey was, you mean it's real? There really is a coronavirus out there. And so I just want to remind you, this, this epidemic is not over. And if we don't follow the guidelines that the CDC, and some people are trying to make this all political, I could give a, couldn't give a fig about the politics and the politicians' agendas with it. But I do trust Dr. Fauci and what he's saying to us, and I think it's important that we observe. I've talked with physicians myself that we observe these guidelines and, and take care of one another. Uh, there, are some, there are some things I'm just not at liberty to tell you that are happening even with folks in our congregation as a result of the COVID virus. And some folks have had strokes as a result of it. Some folks have had heart attacks as a result of it. And these are not unhealthy people. These are not elderly people. So join me tonight and in prayer. And we're going to have prayer for them before I close this message out tonight. But let's be patient. Let's take it one step at a time. Uh, we met this week to talk about our first service. And I just heard thunder. So sometimes you know how in downriver we'll lose power. If we lose power, I'm simply going to slip over to my study where we can get some sunlight if there is sunlight, and I'll continue teaching on Facebook over my iPhone. So don't go anywhere if we lose power for some reason. But uh, we'll keep teaching tonight. But um, we're going to have special prayer at the end of the service. Well, let's look at the Scripture tonight. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. 
And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If you've downloaded the app, you can see the notes right there um, on on your Apple phone or on your Android phone. But notice there, he's given us great and precious. If I was you, I would highlight or underline those words in my Bible. Then notice this line. I'd underline this. These are the promises that enable you. Well, boy, when I see great and precious promises, then everything in me wants to understand what are those great and precious promises. And then when I read that those promises enable me to do something, well, I I want to participate. You know, if I have a membership to a gym, I want to participate in all of the opportunities that that level of membership allows me to participate in. If I am a, a citizen, I want to participate in all the levels of opportunity that the citizenship that I have gives me the opportunity to participate in. And so when I look at this in Abel's, I want to participate, and notice what I can participate in, is the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Well, when you look at how Peter begins this, and it's left written for you and I as the Word of God, by his divine power. Well, where's he, what's he laddering from? He is he has, he has greeted everybody, and then he says uh, in verse 2, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. So what he's laddering from is that my grace and my peace increase in the knowledge of God. And friends, your grace, your peace, it increases the more you know God. It's the great call of my life. It's to know God and to enjoy Him forevermore. We looked at that for just a little bit last week. Uh, that the Westminster Confession of Faith tells us that, that man's chief end is to know God and to enjoy Him. And I really like that phrase, that opportunity I have to enjoy God forever. Knowing God should not be a drudgery. Knowing God should not be a heaviness. But knowing God brings joy and glory into my life, gives me peace when I'm going through a difficult time. I've been on the phone praying with a number of people today, and one particular lady that I was praying with, she just shared with me how brokenhearted she was, and I was able to share with her, we can be brokenhearted, that's a good thing. God dwells with the broken and the contrite. But we can have the peace of God in the midst of that brokenness and contrition. I I prayed with another man today who's going through a life-threatening treatment right now for a life-threatening disease he has. And, And I said, we can have the peace of God. But the grace of God, that is where we experience the good things that God does for us, the grace and the peace of God increase as we know God more. If I don't know what my opportunities are, at my level of gym membership, I don't have the opportunity to participate in them because there's generally no one going to come out and say, oh, you're able to participate in this. They just want me to sign and pay a monthly contract. As a citizen, there are politicians. We know that sometimes there have been politicians that have tried to keep citizens ignorant of what the, the privileges of their citizenship have meant. And so there has been 
times where people didn't realize what they could do or participate in. I remember as a young pastor, pastoring a difficult church, a church with a insurmountable debt, church with all kinds of problems. A number of years later, after we had successfully rebuilt a church and rebuilt a school and things were going really well there, I was asked to serve in a district capacity for the denomination that we're a part of. And, and I remember receiving a tour of our general council headquarters from a friend who worked for our general superintendent. And as he was walking me through and telling me all of the different things that were afforded to our church and to me, no one had ever told me that. And I had talked with other officials. I had talked with other people seeking every bit of help that I could for the church. And I'm not complaining. God helped us in so many ways and pulled us through. It's still known as the making miracle. But what I found out was because I didn't know, there were opportunities that were afforded to me that would have enabled the church and me to have had greater flexibility than what we had enjoyed. And so, friends, I want you to know it's important to know your Bible. You know what my lesson was from that? I was a good student of the Bible. I was a good student of theology. I was a good student of preaching. I was a good student of leadership. But what I learned from that is I read things now. As a matter of fact, just a few years ago, I was asked to serve in a, and participate in, a, in an office in our community. And, and when I asked why I was being considered for this opportunity, of the number of things that they told me for the reasons I was being considered, they said, and you have a reputation for reading every document before a meeting. Well, friends, it's important that we, that we, we know what we are a part of. And the Bible says you have great and precious promises that enable you to share in the God's divine nature and to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So my grace and my peace increase in the knowledge of God. Peace because I know what God can do for me. I know what God will do for me. Grace because I accept the truth of the gospel and what he does. So here's my first question tonight. Do I know what's been done for me? Do I know what God has already done for me? There are certain things that I have to do. And in next week when we look at verse 5 and 6, we're going to look at the things that we have to do. But before we do those things, there are certain things that have been done for us that enable us to do those things. And so it begins tonight with the new life. It begins with the results of that new life or the fruit of that new life. It begins with the new life that we have received from Christ and we have experienced in Him. Let's look at those two verses again. By His divine power... God has given us everything, circle that word, we need for living a godly life. A godly life, that's important. That means a Christ-like life. That means something has happened in your life that enables you to become like God. Not God, but become like God as you grow in faith. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, by coming to know Him. Peter wants us to grow in our knowledge of Him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This is what I'd like you to do this week. I'd like you to read this, these two verses every day, three times a day. Maybe 
before your breakfast, before your lunch, before your dinner, maybe 8 a.m., noontime, and, and when you get off work, you know, make it that transition from your work world to going home. But just read these verses. Write them on a three-by-five card and put it in your pocket or on your phone. And, and just by the end of the week, hopefully you will have memorized these two verses. And as you say them over and over, emphasize different words, emphasize different phrases, and that's called meditation. That's how we meditate upon the Bible. Because here's what I want to share with you tonight. With all that's going on in our world, with the COVID crisis, the financial crisis, the global shutdown, and with the, the unrest in our nation right now, and the Black Lives Matter movement that's taking place as as, as our African-American brothers and sisters are just crying out, and we must listen, and we must make some changes in our nation. But I am more concerned about the local church and the global church than I am the world. I am more concerned about the health of the church and the condition of the church than I am the world right now. The world is confused because it does not understand the gospel. The world is confused. If the world understood the gospel, we would never, ever, ever treat our brothers and sisters in Christ who are of a different color. We would never treat them the way they've been treated. I remember when pastoring my first church, when our first black member came to visit, a black person came to our church, and, and a member of the board came to me and said, there's a black person here in our church, and they were upset about it. And I said, well, listen, that's what the gospel is. I remember there was a Sunday school teacher that I had to remove who also happened to be a board member because he made the statement that black people didn't have souls. Now, it might be easy for you to say, wow, that was a really corrupt little church. It wasn't a corrupt little church. There was corrupt things in the church. There were corrupt things that happened in the church because they were ignorant of what the gospel had said. And friends, it broke my heart, and I had to deal with it. And, and I'll tell you, there was no small share of grief in dealing with that. But thank God with the people who stood with me during that time as a young pastor in my 20s having to deal with those kind of things. And, and thank God for the courage that he gave to confront that. But here's the thing. The world is confused because the church is often confused about the gospel. They do not understand the benefits afforded them in Christ they don't understand what Christ has done for us. They don't understand these exceeding great and precious promises that enable, to love, enable us to love God, but also love people that are different from us. And so if the world is confused because it doesn't understand the gospel, then at times the church can be confused because it doesn't understand the gospel. And the problem is the world does not see the life of Christ manifested in the church the way the life of Christ should be manifested. And please don't think I'm being overly harsh. I love our church. I think, I think Woodland is a wonderful expression of the life of Christ. But when I look at the global church today, and when I look at, at, at the church at large, then I understand the confusion of the world. 
For it's not just racial issues. There are some people who no longer accept the inspiration and the veracity of the Holy Scriptures. There are some people who no longer believe that Christ died at the cross and was buried and raised again on the third day. As one preacher told me uh, once, he says, I do not believe in the second coming. I think that is a myth. I believe in Jesus and His teachings, but I do not believe that Jesus is going to come back. Nothing could be further from the truth. How can you have hope for the future if you believe this is all there is and all Jesus taught us how to live was a good life? There's much more to this gospel. So we need to understand the gospel so that we can participate or be enabled to participate in all of the benefits that are afforded to us by being a part of the body of Christ. Listen, listen, this, this is important. I, I want you to get this. I've had so many people tell me, you know, I really like Jesus. I love Jesus. It's the church I can't stand. Oh, friends, you can't love Jesus without loving His church. But I understand what they're saying. When they don't see the love of Jesus, when they see bickering and fighting, remember Sunday morning, we talked about how the apostle said, Paul said of the Corinthian church, and they were a gifted church. He admitted they were a gifted church. But he says, if you don't have love, you know, it, it means nothing. He says, as a matter of fact, your services do more harm than they do good. And so tonight, my prayer is that God will touch the church and the world's confusion and the world's violence that I see right now. It makes me pray more and more for the church. I'm praying more for the church than I am for the world because I have taught you for 21 years. I really do believe that God's answer to the problems of our world is the local church. It's the life of Jesus being expressed through you and through me. It's not in government. Democrats and Republicans are not going to solve this problem. They're trying to take advantage and create an opportunity for themselves in this election year. Education is not going to solve the problem. We've had so much money, boatloads of money spent on education. It's not social welfare programs, and I'm not against any of those things. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not against those, but the solution to the problem is in the grace and the peace and the love of Jesus Christ shed abroad in the local church that we share with one another. It's why the church truly does love people. It's why the church that believes in the Bible. It's why the church that believes in the teaching on the Spirit-filled life. It's why the church that believes that lost people matter to God. It's why that church will be on its knees. Revival must take place in the church before it can happen in the world. And that's why I'm praying for the church. You see, if we want the world saved, if we want the world renewed, then the church must be revived. I hope you get this and understand this tonight. If we want to see the world touched and changed by the good news of Jesus Christ, then the church has to be changed. And the church has to have confidence in the Word of God. The church has to have confidence in Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me tell you two stories that have happened today. And, and, and I just need to take a drink of water. It's hot in here tonight. But today... I. I didn't know how to pray for two different individuals. I just didn't know how to pray. And so while I was on the phone and I was listening and I was praying, I, at the same time I'm breathing up these telegraph prayers to the Lord saying, Jesus, I, I need a word of knowledge. I need a word of wisdom for how to pray for these folks today. 
And so when it came time to pray, it was just like gently flowing streams through my life. That's the only way I know how to describe it. It wasn't as passionate as how I'm preaching to you tonight. It wasn't, as, it wasn't a feeling. I'm not a real feelings-oriented guy. It was just all of a sudden I knew what to pray and I knew how to pray. And friends, here's the thing. I had never prayed these, this kind of prayer before. But as I prayed both times, people on the end of the line began to cry and began to weep. And they said, Pastor, that's it. That's exactly it. But that was the Holy Spirit. Oh, friends, you need to understand, our God is real. Our God is awesome. Our God is with us. And God responds to our faith. So never be afraid to pray big, bold, audacious prayers. It pleases God. And so one of my big prayers is not only for us, but it's for the global church and the local church. It's for denominations. I have found myself being critical of some denominations because of their abandonment of the Word of God and their abandonment of, of the words of Jesus and, and what Jesus told us. And, and the Holy Spirit has really convicted of me of that. You know, my criticism is not going to change them. But God changes things when the people of God begin to pray. You see, I am firmly convinced, and this will be your B and your fill-in, when the world sees the promises of God at work in the church, it will want what we have. When the world sees the promises of God at work in the church, it will want what we have. Now, let me use a couple of personal illustrations here. Number one, I made it my duty to study everything that was afforded to the local church, especially those small struggling churches, especially those churches that had, was like the church that I went to pastor. When I went to pastor that church, it had split five times. It was about to be foreclosed upon. Well, all I can say is God did a miracle and saved that church. But later when I discovered that there, were, there was help and things available that I wasn't aware of, I read every manual, I studied, I made calls, found out the right people to call. Years later, what I had learned, I was called upon, and I had the opportunity to help 88 churches and to be a part of helping them find solutions to their, their problems and to their challenges and to their issues. But because I prepared myself way before that time came, I was able to help them. During that time, Dr. Milford Addison, the district superintendent of Georgia, asked me to do something that was totally out of my ballpark. But I knew I needed to do it. I knew I, knew I needed to do it for him. And so I spent a lot of time studying and working on that project and seeking help from other people that knew way more about it than I did or even than he did. And by studying that, I never really got the opportunity to use it because two and a half years later, God called me here. But everything that I had worked on, God had prepared me for pastoring this church at that particular time. And I remember calling Dr. Addison one day and saying, you know, I just want to say thank you. I, you know, I'm not even sure why you wanted me to study this and work on this, but I, and, and I I thought I was going to be able to help you in Georgia with something, but it's just what I needed. And his words to me was, you know, I wasn't really sure why you needed to do that. I just knew that you needed to do that because God was going to use you. Friends, 
That's what a good leader does. A good leader tries to lead people and put people in positions long before they need something so that they're prepared when the hour of crisis comes. And tonight, I believe with all my heart, and I know we're not together, and and hopefully this will be recorded and posted later for people that can't watch it tonight, but look me right here in the eye. God has been preparing Woodland for just such an hour as this. God has been preparing you for just such an hour as this. You are not here by accident. Some of you have wondered why you were here. I've wondered why some of you were here, you know. And so, but you're here because God put you here for such a time as this. And I'm firmly convinced the world is at a place where it needs to see the promises of God at work. And when they see the life of Christ manifested to the church, God has a harvest out there. Don't you doubt that for one minute. God has a harvest. And God's heaven is going to be full. God's heaven is going to be filled with people, now get this, who want to know God. So there are two things that I need tonight. Number one, I need to know God. The one thing I desire above everything else in my life and, and I mean this, it's not just preacher talk, it's, it's why I'm on my knees daily, it's the goal of my heart. You could read my journal and say, oh God, I want to know you better, I want to know you more, I want to know you better today than I did yesterday, I want to love you better today than I did yesterday. It's the cry of my heart to know God, but it's also the cry of my heart to make Him known. And by the way, I am not talking about experiences. I am not talking about having chill bumps. I am not talking about my hair standing up on end. I'm not talking about falling down or anything like that. I want to know God. I have been married to my beautiful wife for a long time, and I still am getting to know her better and better, and she still surprises me. I have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and there's still so much I don't know about Him. Jesus summed it up like this in John, the 17th chapter, the third verse. He says, and this is the way. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the, one, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. This is the way. Mark those words. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to this earth. You see, in verse 3 that we read from first Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, Peter is talking about the knowledge of God, coming to know God, a godly life. When my oldest son was a little boy, I was in our bedroom praying one day, and Becky came down the hall, and she saw him with his ear pressed against the door, and she says, what are you doing? He goes, shh, daddy's talking to God. Do you know that when you pray, you're talking to God? Do you know when you pray, you're not just reciting words? You're not just reciting scripture? You're not just using a written prayer if you use a written prayer. But when you pray, are you fully persuaded you are talking to the living, breathing God who loves you and knows you and knows everything about you and still loves you? You see, the gospel helps me to see that despite the wretchedness of my life, despite my sin, despite the corruption that's in my life, God still loves me and He saves me and He delivers me from that. Matthew 5, 8, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. And people like myself, we need to know this, that no one who has faith in God's Son will be condemned. That's John chapter 3 and verse 18. I could just keep on going. Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 1, we have been made right in God's sight by faith, and we have peace with God 
because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. I want to know God. And the second thing I need is I need to become more like Him. I need to become more like Jesus. You see, being a partaker of the divine nature, being a partaker of what God has given to me means that I have the opportunity to grow like Christ. You see, I don't have to remain what I was or what I am. Each and every day, I have the opportunity to grow in Jesus. I've worked in countries overseas where when you're born, it's stamped on your birth certificate. You're a Christian or you're not a Christian. You know, in some of those nations, if you ask them, are you a Christian, they just look at you like you've lost your mind. Yeah, I was born a Christian. A Christian is not a matter of your nationality. A Christian is not even a matter if you've been baptized, whether you were baptized as an infant or as an adult like I was. A Christian is not a matter of whether or not you've been confirmed or whether you're a member of a church. A Christian is not a matter of whether you're a generous person or a kind person. A Christian is not a matter of, of whether you confess uh, this creed or don't confess this creed. All of those are important and all of those matter. All of those things are true about a Christian. They're true about a Christian. But it's not what makes you a Christian. A Christian is when you confess your sins to Christ. A Christian is when you recognize the sinfulness of your life, and that's why Jesus Christ came to die for our sins at Calvary. And by believing upon Him and accepting what He's done for you, then you begin to partake of His divine nature. I love the way Eugene Peterson translated 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. Let's look at that in your app together tonight. All of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives becoming gradually brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and as we become like Him. Friends, that's not heaven. That's right here. That's right here and now. That's why I say when the local church sees, when the world sees in the local church, the promises of God being fulfilled in our lives, they'll want what we have. Last night I was talking to a neighbor and I just ended up sharing with her the story of how Becky had, one of our neighbors asked Becky, what does it mean to be born again? And how Becky had that opportunity to share with her what it meant to be born again. And I have had the opportunity to share with other people what it means here and now that we become new creations in Christ. Well, let's look at several things that those promises, according to 2 Peter, enable us to have. Number one, I have His nature. You have the nature of God living within you. Every once in a while, somebody will say, you know, you remind me so much of your dad, Buford. Yeah, I see Buford in you. I see him in your laugh. I see him in your walk. I see him in how you talk. And that makes me feel so good that people see my dad in me. Sometimes people will say to me about one of my pastors, they say, I see his thumbprint on your life. That makes me feel so good that they see his discipleship and mentorship in my life. Well, you have the nature of God. John 1 and verse 12 but to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, notice this, but a birth that comes from God. 
My new life in Jesus has nothing to do with my parents' love for each other. My new life in Jesus has to do with His sovereign work of grace in my life. Number two, I have His Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me. The Spirit of God that breaks bonds. The Spirit of God that removes the yokes. The Spirit of God that gave me the illumination I needed today to pray for those two people. The Spirit of God who searches the deep things of God and searches the deep things of our heart. God lives within us when we give our hearts to Jesus. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you His Spirit, and all of you know the truth. Sometimes people say to me, I can't understand the Bible. I say, two things you need to know. Number one, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you have an anointing from God. Say it with me, and I'll just say, say this with me. I am anointed by God, and they'll look at me, and I'll go, no, let's say it. I am anointed by God, and when they make that confession, I say, now listen, you need to understand. That's what the Bible says. That's not what your pastor says. You have received the Holy Spirit. You have an anointing for God. The second thing is, you have good pastors in this church. You have good small group leaders in this church. Your children have good teachers in this church. And we have endeavored to keep all of the teaching and the children's ministries and youth ministries for every member of your family. And what I want you to know is, you have God says, not only do you have the Holy Spirit, but God thought you needed teachers and preachers, and He gave those to you, and you have those because of the Holy Spirit. I have the blessed hope, and the blessed hope is this, is that when this body dies, when I breathe my last breath, friends, life is not over, as I told that preacher who says he just believes in the teachings of Jesus. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Beloved, that's the blessed hope right there. That whether I die or whether I'm caught up in the rapture to meet the Lord forevermore, friends, my blessed hope is my life doesn't end. My life will be transformed. My body will be transformed in the resurrection. I will be in the presence of Christ. And I am envious sometimes of those that have gone on before us because they're rejoicing in the presence of our Lord tonight. Fourthly, I have the power to make good choices. And boy, this, this epistle is just so rich, I can choose to do the right thing. I was talking with another neighbor this week who asked me about something, and I, I looked at him and I said, listen, you're going to make the right decision. Stop worrying. You're going to make the right decision. I have this confidence, friends. Oh, a confidence that comes. If you know the Lord, if you've committed your life to Jesus, and more than anything, you want to please God. It's not a matter of trying to please yourself, and we just recently talked about that. It's not a matter of trying to please yourself. It's not a matter of trying to confuse your desire with God's desire. If you want to please God, and you'll make it your mind, whatever you say, Lord, I'm going to do, God will help you to make the right choice. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18. I pray... And I'm going to tell you, God answers this prayer. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called. Notice that, the confident hope. His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. You mean, Pastor, even though you said that the, the world may not be seeing the promises of God revealed in us, and maybe you're praying more for the church and you're praying for the world, 
God still sees us as His holy saints? Absolutely. Because God sees us for who we are in Christ and what He's going to make us to be. So don't ever let go of this. We're not there yet. We're not a perfect church yet. And we won't be till we get to heaven. But if we will follow God, He will help us make good choices. And I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness. Look at that. The greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. Friends, the greatness of God's power at work in your life. How great is our God? How awesome is our God? How awesome is His power at work in your life tonight? And then finally, I have His promise. I have His promise that God has not given up on me. You may give up on me. I may give up on you. People give up on their marriages. People give up on their jobs. Some people even give up on their faith, unfortunately. But friends... God never gives up on you and me. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'm telling you, I am not giving up on what God wants to do through a church that celebrates His love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart that our best days are upon us and that in this world's confusion, what God has been doing in Woodland Church for all these years has been to position us in a place to demonstrate not experiences, but the knowledge of God and the difference that His life makes. Experiences will follow, but we don't chase experiences. We are following hard. We are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And if we'll follow His Word and follow Him, the Bible says signs and wonders will follow. I love you so much. I want to pray for you before we go. I want to pray for this dear brother tonight that needs a miracle in his life. Also, I want to remind you on Sunday morning, we're going to be taking communion. So be sure you get your communion elements together and we'll give you time, uh, the service to, to get ready for that. But get that together and then join Becky and I on Saturday night at 6 o'clock for our uh, Facebook Live prayer service as we continue to pray together. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. And Jesus, thank you that the power didn't go off during the thunderstorm. And uh, let's pray together right now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for these great and precious promises. We thank you, Lord, for the exceeding greatness of your power that's at work in our lives. And tonight, Lord, I pray for us as a congregation. I pray, Lord, breathe your spirit in upon us. This COVID crisis, it has us, Lord, separated from one another physically for a time. Lord, it will pass. It will soon be over. But do something in the sanctity of our hearts and in our homes and in our small groups that, Lord, when we come together, that the blessings of heaven, like the latter rain and the former rain coming down together, as the Bible says, Lord, will fall upon us. And I pray, Lord, this evening for those that tonight are, are wandering away from their faith commitment, or maybe, Lord, they're wandering away from their commitment to the church, that, Lord, they will reexamine that and say, I'm a part of a church. I'm a part, whether it's this church or another church, that, Lord, to love you is to also love your church. And, Lord, pray for revival. I pray for our world tonight. Our world needs to see, Lord, 
a biblically functioning church, Lord, a biblically functioning church, Lord, where pastors are shepherding, leaders are leading, Lord, preachers are preaching, deacons are deking, Lord, where those with the gift of mercy are showing mercy, those with the gift of teaching are teaching, those, Lord, with the gift of miracles are being released, O oh Father. We pray, God, that the church will function in holiness, but it will also function in power as well. And tonight, I pray for my friend this evening, Lord, who needs a miracle in his life. Lord, needs a miracle of healing for his life to be spared. I pray you will reach down and touch and heal. Unveil before the doctor's eyes whatever is hiding that keeps, Lord, destroying his life. And I pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen, amen. I love you, and boy, I'll tell you, I enjoyed this word tonight, and I enjoyed sharing it with you. God bless you real good.